Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The Bowery Boys, episode 94... Corlear's Hook and the Pirates of the East River. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. The Bowery Boys is brought to you by Eurocheapo.com. Eurocheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City. On the web at Eurocheapo.com. Hi there. Welcome to the Bowery Boys. This is Greg Young with a solo show for you this week. I'm assuming a few of you probably did a tiny double take at the subject of this week's podcast. That would be Corlear's Hook and the Pirates of the East River. New York isn't exactly the first place you think of when you think of pirates with all of their pirate accoutrement and the parrot and the arg and the wooden leg and all of that. But New York actually has a long, dark history with real bona fide pirates that trace back centuries. Bedloe's Island and Gibbets Island in New York Harbor would be the site of dozens of pirate hangings authorized by the U.S. government, up in fact until 1860 with the execution of the murderous pirate Albert Hicks, who was caught offshore of Staten Island. Later on, Bedloe and Gibbets Island, these pirate execution sites, would have their names changed to Liberty Island and Ellis Island, respectively. Back in the day, rumors even circulated that Bedloe had housed a forgotten buried treasure of one of the world's most famous pirates, Captain Kidd. Pirates really did bury a treasure of Mexican silver on the shoreline of Coney Island in the 1830s, and that legendary treasure had residents of the local village of Gravesend scrambling over the sand of the beach, digging for coins. But believe it or not, the center of real vile pirate activity in New York is not an island, but is actually in the heart of the city itself, along the area of Manhattan coastline referred to as Corlear's Hook. Now, this is the area where the island of Manhattan, the lower half, juts out into the East River, approximately the area between where the Williamsburg Bridge is and down to the Manhattan Bridge, and for the purposes of this story, continue further down the shoreline almost to the Brooklyn Bridge. Corlear's Hook Park can actually be found at the bend or hook in the river just south of the Williamsburg Bridge. I have to say this is probably one of the most radically transformed areas in all of Manhattan. So to start our story, we actually have to pull back almost all the development that's here. We have to erase those three bridges, of course, that span the river, take away a little bit of that shoreline to the north that actually makes up part of East River Park, because that land was added, landfill, of course, by Robert Moses in the 1930s. Obviously, you'll have to eliminate the FDR Drive, that highway that hugs and elevates above the eastern shoreline here. The buildings that stand all around this area are almost entirely all large and somewhat unattractive housing developments, so take them out of the picture too. 
As tough as it is to imagine, Corlear's Hook was an actual beach with sand, surrounded by a marshy wetland and rising ever westward into a series of slopes. Washington Irving actually referred to Corlear's Hook as a, quote, boisterous part of land, unquote. And this incline actually made it perfect for launching or docking canoes or small boats for the early residents of the island. When the Dutch came to the Isle of Manhattan in the 17th century, well, they helped themselves, of course, to these vast tribal lands of the Lenape. Dutch Director General Wouten van Twiller granted these lands, the lands around Corlear's Hook, to his friend Jacobus van Corlear. The area, of course, would take on his name, although the spelling of his name is actually C-O-R-L-A-E-R, and the current name, Corlear's Hook, transposes the E and the A. Just in case you want to do some further research, make sure you check both spellings. New Amsterdam's next leader, William Kieft, would bring bloodshed here to this area in 1643, in some steep retaliation against local Lenape Indian tribes who had refused to turn over the alleged murder of an elderly Dutchman, well, Keith's solution on February 25th, 1643, was to authorize the wholesale slaughter of two Lenape villages, one of them in a place called Pavonia, later to be called Jersey City, and another village which resided here at the Hook. Dozens of Lenape were violently, cruelly murdered, and in some cases, their heads were actually brought back to New Amsterdam as some sort of trophy. This violent overreaction sparked a battle with the region's angry Lenape tribes for years and would eventually force the Dutch to replace Kieft with, of course, Peter Stuyvesant. Let's just say that the British, when they came along, had a little bit better luck with this particular piece of land. While the coast at the tip of New York Island bustled with ships docking and unloading, this area of Corlear's Hook, which they actually gave the name Crown Point, was actually quite ideal for the creation of shipping vessels. During the British years, the shoreline teemed with piers and almost exclusively catered to businesses that relied on ships for their livelihood, sailmakers, rope makers, coopers, and even lumber yards. Things begin to go slightly awry for the neighborhood right around the time the British leave. In 1791, the ward system of New York is introduced, which actually parceled out the whole island of Manhattan into these numerical pieces for political purposes. Corlear's Hook became part of what would be called the Seventh Ward, and then the area a little bit to the south was given the designation the Fourth Ward. As the city rapidly expanded northward, the prime farm owner of this area, a man by the name of Henry Rutgers, who was actually a Revolutionary War hero, well, he began parceling out some of his farmland at very reasonable rates to accommodate some of this expansion. Now, obviously, who's going to be attracted to this area but the new generation of shipbuilders, American shipbuilders? And right at a time when these brand new innovations in sea travel were flourishing, namely the creation of steamships. In 1815, Corlear's Hook had the greatest concentration of shipbuilding businesses in the entire country, the shoreline completely obscured now, with piers and ships of all sorts. This area of shipbuilding at this time is perhaps best immortalized in the sentence, Call me Ishmael, because, yes, that first scene of Moby Dick is actually set here in a shipyard at Corlear's Hook. Along with all the shipbuilding, in 1802 came the very first ferry service that linked Manhattan with farms along the Brooklyn shore. Just a few years after that, a much more successful ferry operation began service from the new town of Williamsburg, going between Grand Avenue in Williamsburg to Corlear's Hook. So you have dozens and dozens of ships being built, being created, coming in and out of port. You have this huge bustling ferry. But there is a problem. Who would actually want to live 
near a gigantic, loud, smelly shipyard or a hectic, chaotic ferry line? The answer, of course, is only those who can't afford to live anywhere else. And so the area of Corlears Hook became a sort of proto-slumland many years before the existence of even more appalling places like Five Points. By the 1850s, actually, one in ten people living in the Seventh Ward, which contained Corlears Hook, one in ten of those people were actually receiving charity of some sort from the city. In fact, New York's very first tenement building, that defining form of home for the lower classes in the 19th century, well, that first tenement was built in 1833, believe it or not, in the area that's actually contained within Corlears Hook Park today, and was built even by a steamship engineer by the name of James Allaire. So, if it's New York, and you've got a bunch of sailors, and a bunch of shipbuilders, and it's a poor, depressed neighborhood, what else are you going to have showing up here but prostitutes? Sure enough, in the 19th century, Corlears Hook became a notorious red light district, setting up shop in the saloons and cellars around the neighborhood. So rampant, so common, actually, that as legend would have it, and this is one of my favorite New York legends, the ladies of the Hook would eventually give their profession a new permanent nickname. They would be called Hookers for Corlears Hook. By the 1850s, the area was a sordid, corruptible mess. So all of this is just to say, if you think about Five Points and the other slum areas of New York in the mid-19th century, and at the gang life that sprouted up in these places, gangs like the Bowery Boys and the Plug Uglies, then you combine that with a dreadfully unpoliced area, that's all these piers and sailing vessels, well, with all these ingredients, they combine, of course, to create pirates. New York Pirates. The types of crimes practiced along the docks of Corlears Hook were essentially the same forms of violence practiced everywhere else. Theft, muggings, breaking and entering, murder. River pirates terrorized the East River from the 1840s through almost the entire length of the century. In fact, in 1850s, one police report I read estimated that up to 500 of these river pirates were successfully operating in the waterfront area. The East River actually made quite easy pickings for these quote, pirates, because the ships were smaller and they were lightly guarded. Some of these early groups, the like pre-1860s groups here, have names that, well, they might look pretty good embroidered upon a leather jacket. A group like the Swamp Angels, who were conveniently stationed in the neighborhood's most horrendous tenement called the Gotham Court, a place where a thousand people were crammed into two rows of buildings along Cherry Street. The Swamp Angels specialized in navigating through the sewers to areas along the water, then hopping aboard these unsuspecting vessels and stealing the cargo, then swimming back through the sewers, and then selling this stolen booty before the owners of the boats even knew they were robbed. By the time the cops got wise about this sewer scheme, the Swamp Angels had already advanced to rowboat piracy, boarding ships before they would even get the opportunity to dock. Then you had the far more ruthless group called the Daybreak Boys, who were headquartered in a Cherry Street gin mill, who terrorized the entire East River waterfront in the 1850s, who robbed the boats at anchor and took their unusual name from the time of day that they preferred to conduct their business. Scandalously, most of the Daybreak Boys were actual boys, most not more than 20 years old on average, with such names as Cow-Legged Sam McCarthy, Patsy the Barber, and their leader, Slobbery Jim. 
Old Slobbery, by the way, would actually graduate from his life of crime here along the shores of the East River. And by the 1860s, the next decade, he would move down to the South and become captain for the Army of the Confederacy. Now, if you've read Herbert Asbury's Gangs of New York, you probably know the Daybreak Boys pretty well. I would say he kind of admires them greatly, in fact. Here's a quote from him. The gang stole property worth at least $100,000 and committed about 20 murders. It is possible they are responsible for twice as many killings, for a day rarely passed that one or more dead men were not found floating in the river or stretched stiff upon a lonely dock. The daybreakers were known for their audacity and apparent lack of morality, scooting up to ships in a little rowboat, climbing aboard, and then either knocking out or killing whoever was there, and then simply taking what they wanted. They basically had complete rule of Corlear's Hook for most of the 1850s until 1859, when they were effectively wiped out by a few crazy leaders, and the group sort of disintegrated from within, and there were actually a few successful stabs at law enforcement by this time. Now, in the post post-draft riot, post-Civil War world of New York, well, this brought forth a brand new group of gangs, partially, I think, the result of a citywide purge that left the dispersed members of old gangs regrouping and then forming brand new, even more dangerous ones. One of the most prominent in the city, which I actually talked about in an early podcast, were the Wyos, who were the rulers of Five Point and Mulberry Bend. However, they were definitely not the only bad boys in town. Many of these gang leftovers would actually float over to the dive bars of Corlear's Hook, some of these saloons with such loathful names as The Lava Beds and Cat Alley and Swain's Castle. Now, one of the worst dives in this area was a place called the Tub of Blood. Mm-hmm. Let's go grab a drink at the Tub of Blood, guys. And no surprise, the affiliation of street roughs turned swarthy pirate gang that came from these doors was the deliciously named Tub of Blood Bunch, who came to prominence in the late 1860s and specialized in robbing and murdering sailors. They were also raging alcoholics, apparently. One alleged member, by the name of Brian Borrow, well, one night he got so plastered that he passed out and then was promptly eaten by rats. Post-1860s, the criminals that dock workers most feared in the neighborhood were probably the Patsy Conroy gang, who got their criminal sea legs down in the Fourth Ward, but worked their way up here to Corlear's Hook. Now, Patsy Conroy was a seasoned criminal, robbing rather sizable vessels with his cohorts Socko the Bracer, Piggy Knowles, and Kid Shanahan. Now, Patsy, I would say dashing, 30-year-old Irish immigrant, was not satisfied in the mere control of a few paltry collection of docks, Patsy and his gang began staking out boats throughout the harbor, up and down the shores of New York, Brooklyn, Queens, and well beyond. In 1873, their stunning attack on a brig called the Elizabeth ended in a shower of gunfire and the death of his friend Sako the Bracer, whose body was flung into the water and then later washed ashore up at an area reportedly just a few steps from his home. That same year, with menacing masks pulled over their head, Patsy and his friends, who, by the way, preferred to work at midnight, not daybreak, well, Patsy and his men, they boarded the ship called the Matan, which was filled with petroleum, which was near the foot of Castle Garden at the very tip of the island. They boarded, they tied up the entire crew, and then threatened to kill the captain's wife if he didn't give them $4,000. Well, he somehow convinced them that there wasn't $4,000, and there probably wasn't, And so they ended up stealing just anything they could find, mostly a stock of silk dresses and the jewelry of the captain's wife. 
Now, Patsy and his group continued pillaging the waters of New York, eventually making their way up to Westchester and White Plains, and that's where, actually, Patsy was finally captured in 1874. After Patsy and the gang, taking up the criminal slack here in the East River waters was a group called the Hook Gang, a group of thieves who began as pickpockets and diversified their way up by the 1870s to include piracy among their crimes. They had almost 100 members, the Hook Gang, with such exotic names as Slipsy Ward and James Coffee and my personal favorite, Terry Lestrange. One of the more fanciful techniques of this group was to actually block off a loading area that was leading into a wharf and they just started looting everything that was in that area and apparently they did this in such a way that no one ever stopped them because it looks like they were just in the middle of construction i mean how many streets do we walk around in new york where we see people in construction hats and the road cordoned off are they really working on construction well they weren't if they were the hook gang the gang even one time held up a rowing club in the water, stealing the boats, and then forcing the athletes who were rowing to swim ashore themselves. I'll bet that the Hook Gang had quite a few innovative techniques in crime, and this actually might have kept them afloat a lot longer, if not for the creation in 1876 of the city's Steamboat Squad, the most sophisticated attempt yet by the city at some sort of nautical law enforcement. I'm not actually sure how successful the squad truly was, because what also helped in their favor was the shifting commerce of the city really began spelling the end to this small localized form of piracy shipping endeavors were actually moving to the west side of the island and as you know with the arrival of these grand luxury liners and these massive ships and with these grand terminals like chelsea piers these kind of docks that meant more money greater security and as a result, less opportunity for this very specific petty type of crime. And the East Side itself was really changing. First with the completion of the Brooklyn Bridge in the 1880s, which swept away a lot of the worst parts of the Fourth Ward. And of course, similar type things happened with the creation of the Manhattan and Williamsburg Bridges. Shipbuilding moved to Brooklyn and Queens and to other places. In the 1890s, thanks to Jacob Reese and some vibrant city activism, a lot of slums were being completely swept away. And by the 1920s and 30s, most of these tenements and all of these saloons and all the vestiges of the old red light district, of course, were swept away and replaced with middle and lower income housing developments. So yes, all these meeting spots for the pirates and for the prostitutes, all of this was swept away and replaced with Robert Moses projects. Projects, of course, like the FDR Drive and an outdoor amphitheater that sits along the East River and where Joe Papp and Shakespeare and the Park Company actually got their start. And of course, this park itself, Corlears Hook Park, which was created in 1905. It's actually one of New York's oldest municipal parks, a lovely, quiet little place, and most likely the most peaceful, loveliest thing to ever sit in this area in 400 years. So that's my little peek at some of the pirates of the East River. Of course, the well of 19th century stories of crime and vice and larceny is a deep well that we will continue to visit on this show. So we hope you stay tuned for that. Please visit our blog at BoweryBoysPodcast.com, where I'll have a lot of related stories to this and many of our past topics. I won't have a lot of pictures this week. These pirates, the Daybreak Boys and the like, weren't exactly photogenic. And people weren't racing to take pictures of these people. But I'll have a, I'll have a few others to sort of give you an idea of what the neighborhood is like. We will, of course, be back in a couple weeks with a brand new podcast Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Have a great New York week, whether you live here or not.
legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.